Hello, everyone. Welcome to our new network, Swizzbold, and welcome in particular to my podcast, Three Right Turns. I'm Aaron. It's been a long time since I've had to do an intro for a podcast that wasn't about a television or movie episode, so it might take a while for me to kind of find my footing here. If you're not familiar with my work, I co-founded a podcast company, Bald Move, nearly 10 years ago with my best bud. We grew that into a full-time gig just talking about TV and movies. You can check all that out at baldmove.com. It's a, it's a pretty good time. I'm also kind of out of practice with the whole solo podcast thing. It's been since season four or five of the Game of Thrones podcast since I've had to do much of this. Um, I think once I get going, we're probably going to line up some interviews that should help with some of the solo podcast awkwardness. Uh, I'm also really eager to kind of field feedback and get some discussions going on this pod. And uh, just up front, you can send that feedback to 3RT at swizzbold.com. That's the number 3RT at swizzbold.com. All those links are in our show notes. But I've been wanting to do a show about politics for a, a long time now. Um, But since this is an introductory episode, I think it's appropriate to get a little bit meta and outline what I'm hoping to accomplish with this show, Three Right Turns. What I aim to do with this podcast, uh, there's a couple points, uh, and then I'll go into detail later. I want to make a case for progressive causes to uh, conservative, libertarian, and centrist members of the various communities I'm a part of, which uh, up to this point is primarily the Bald Move audience. And I've unironically been all those things, conservative, libertarian, centrist, and I think I'm qualified to have those conversations in good faith. I also want to make a space for people who are moving from those conservative, centrist, or liberal viewpoints to more progressive ones, Uh, places where you can ask scary questions about race and sex and class that might get you flamed in, in more left or liberal places. And in a similar vein, I want to provide a gateway and a pipeline to move people to more progressive content and direct them to more progressive content makers. I also want to demonstrate that you can have a traditionally masculine personal presentation and still be very much pro-feminist, pro-minority, pro-sexual freedom, and a lot of other things I think get lumped into what some see as this anti-masculine, anti-man point of view. I also want to encourage political activism. I want to get people engaged. I want to fight political apathy uh, because the truth is uh, when people turn out to vote, uh, that vote usually is progressive. And uh, last but not least, I want to figure out my own political framework because I'm pretty much a work in progress, as as you'll see. And I'm, I'm glad I'm getting to start this podcast right now where I'm still trying to figure out some things. So you can kind of come along with that journey and, and help me on that journey if you can. So I guess a fair question at this point is, why should anyone care what I have to say about politics? And it's a pretty good question because I don't have any experience with working in politics. I don't have a degree in political science or history or anything, really. Uh, but I thought, because uh, I, you know, a lot of probably even bald move people in the bald move community don't know a lot of my detailed background. I mean, I talked to it from time to time in passing, but I just kind of want to let people know where I am from. Uh, Culturally, I was born in a small town in Indiana, pretty much right in the heartland, what a lot of types like to call Main Street America. My backyard was literally a cornfield. Every spring, the farmers would disc the fields up and me and the neighbor kids would go running out and we'd pick up big dirt clods and we'd throw it at each other's heads, uh, pretend like they were grenades. And every fall in the harvest, we would take... uh, 
the uh, the corn stalks um, and beat each other up with them like they were lightsabers. Uh, and then there's the years they had the soybeans, and that wasn't as fun, honestly. But uh, on the plus side, you could actually eat the beans, so that was cool. Uh, I looked up on Wikipedia, and the 2010 census for my hometown was 98.5% white, 0.09% African American, with Hispanics or Latinos making up 0.72% of the tr- uh, population. And trust me, those numbers are up significantly from when I grew up back in the 80s and 90s. I didn't have a non-white friend until I started working uh, at the Indianapolis airport for FedEx back uh, when I was 18. So I didn't get exposed to a lot of different opinions, and I know what that's like. Where I come from spiritually, today I'm a secular atheist, but I was a fundamental uh, fundamentalist evangelical until about 2008. Particularly, I was a Jehovah's Witness. If you don't know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they are a millenarian restorationist Christian denomination with non-Trinitarian beliefs distinct from mainstream uh, Christianity. So I'll just break that down. Uh, millenarian means they're looking forward to an upcoming radical change in society following a cataclysmic event. In this case, they're specifically millennialist, meaning they think there's going to be a global paradise following a war of Armageddon where God's armies led by Jesus Christ will cleanse the earth of evildoers and wickedness. Restorationist means that they believe that Christianity, as it's practiced by most of the world, they refer to as Christendom, uh, has been perverted and tainted over the years, and it needs to be restored back to its pure form as practiced by Christ and his apostles in the early to late first century. Now, these are, um, even amongst Christian religions, very conservative religious worldviews. And those came with a lot of uh, conservative religious beliefs, such as men and women have fundamentally are fundamentally different with men made in God's image to lead, instruct and protect, while women were made as compliments to follow and inspire and nurture. They're very, very concerned with morality, uh, sex outside of marriage, which certainly doesn't encompass any kind of homosexual relationship, uh, is strictly taboo uh, and is grounds for excommunication, in fact. And if you're curious to hear me talk more about this. Jim and I have done a lot of podcasts on the subject, which you can find over at baldmove.com slash about. And I wasn't just like um, a regular old run-of-the-mill Jehovah's Witness. I was really devout. I, I spent a lot of time knocking on doors talking about God's kingdom. I preached in front of several different congregations right off the platform. I've read the Bible all the way through several times. Uh, I pray daily, uh, you know, morning, uh, noon, night, several times during the day when I felt like I needed extra strength. So I can kind of empathize with a lot of the anger and frustration that uh, some conservative people feel. Because I know a lot of times it just seems like nobody's willing to give you a fair shake or, or try to understand your point of view. And I also understand the frustration of holding what you think is a principled stance on something and have it labeled by others as hateful or fear-based. But also, now that I've come through the other side, I kind of appreciate that a lot of those views I had, even though I didn't have that fear and hate in my heart, were actually hateful and were based on fear and did a lot of harm to those communities. And I feel really bad about it. And I know that that's kind of a kind of contradictory standpoint. Like, how could I not have like hate or fear in my heart, but do something that's hateful and fearful? And I think that's some things that we can maybe work through uh, talking about together at uh, 3RT at SwizzBold.com.
Uh, finally, I want to talk about my political background um, because I kind of came to politics later than life because another core tenet of the Jehovah's Witnesses is they try to maintain political neutrality. Uh, I'm a progressive liberal right now, uh, kind of left curious type of uh, point of view. Uh, but for for a long, long time, I considered myself conservative uh, or libertarian. And that, that, that lasted until around 2012. And that's kind of the, the where the, this name of uh, the show comes from, Three Right Turns. Uh, it's from the old saw that you can uh, make three right turns to take a left. And I feel like I've made many, 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 many turns to the right that have led me into this left trajectory there I'm on, that I'm on right now. Um, just, just to name a few of the things I firmly, uh, believed at, at a time, uh, I was very much in favor of smaller, limited governments. I was in favor of keeping taxes as low as possible. Um, just as a general principle, I was against most government regulations and oversights. Um, I felt like government was bureaucracy and inefficient and was ill-equipped to, uh, handle anything that the, the private market couldn't do better. Uh, I thought that markets only failed primarily because of interference from government. If they would just get out and, and, and leave uh, the markets alone, they'd regulate themselves. I was broadly for military spending and using our military for intervention in foreign uh, affairs. I was a big supporter of uh, the Iraq war, for example, and Afghanistan war. I felt that the traditional family was under attack. Uh, and since the family is the basic building block of any healthy society, that had to be a bad thing, right? I thought that social safety programs uh, uh, and safety nets were trying to just curry favor and votes for people that were looking for handouts. And that if you were willing to work hard, anyone could get ahead. Uh, I also thought feminism was ruining both men and women, is making women shrill and bitter and angry at the same time it made men soft and weak and emasculated. I thought that the Second Amendment was a vital protection against tyranny and government oppression. Uh, I thought the guns were useful for self-defense and uh, if nothing else, a lot of damn fun to shoot. Now, the first time I voted, it was for George Bush's second term. And I want to point out again that voting was strictly against Jehovah's Witness theocratic doctrine. If I, if I found out, I would have been excommunicated. I, I that you, you heard it here first. I broke religious law to vote for W. How many of you can say that you've defied God's law to vote Republican? Huh? I mean, that's, that's how strongly I felt about this stuff. The second time I voted in a national election, I voted for John McCain against Barack Obama. Uh, and that's the last time I voted Republican on a national ticket. And I can go on and on. And I'm sure my background will be relevant in the future. But, but I think you get the picture. I'm not exactly a coastal elite here. Still not, by the way. Uh, I no longer live in a small town in, in Indiana. I now live in Cincinnati. But still, not exactly a metropolis. And it's known for being one of the more conservative urban areas in America. So it's not like I've just fled for the coast and I'm way out of touch and I'm living in some kind of bubble. Uh, I daily are exposed to, to different viewpoints. Just walking out of my house and looking at billboards and political signs, I know that uh, sometimes I'm in a minority in my own community. And while it's true that I've done a 180 degree turn on a lot of these topics, there's still a few that I hold in defiance of the liberal stereotypes, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about those. I kind of think it would be helpful to walk through how I made each of these changes and points of view 
uh, not only to help others see where I'm coming from, but also to hopefully sharpen my own views. Because uh, a lot of the stuff, um, you know, as I'm kind of researching in my own time, uh, I, wa- I, I I come away with a deeper appreciation and a stronger kind of, you know, that's that's the whole game of, of, of uh, you know, self-improvement is if you get into a debate or a discussion with someone and you confirm all your beliefs, then you didn't learn anything. Whereas if you can find an area too where you're wrong, you're not as sharp as you could be, then you've, uh, you know, made an advancement in yourself. And I, I've uh, always been for that. Um, speaking of like liberal stereotypes, there also seems to be this kind of widespread prejudice about liberals and left-leaning men that were all a bunch of soy drinking, slightly built, mamby-pamby, weak doormats that have sold our souls to gain the approval of women and minorities because God knows we're helpless at doing anything else. And I think that's some super fucking bullshit, but if it's that's your view, I am here to officially challenge that stereotype because I'm proudly masculine. I'm a consider myself a manly man. I'm six foot two. I weigh about 250 pounds. I've got a gut, but I've also got a lot of large, powerful muscles on a pretty robust frame. I've been in several physical fights. I've won more than my fair share. I'm a proficient shot with pistol, rifle, or shotgun. I can drive a stick. I fucked many attractive, confident, sexy, enthusiastically consenting women. I fathered a child. I grow a mean beard. I cook a mean steak. I've started several successful businesses. I've rebuilt engines. I've framed houses. I've built furniture. I created things. I've blown shit up. And this probably comes across as bragging. And yeah, it kind of is. But my point is, if you think you can dismiss me or my opinions because I'm not a real man, I got to ask, what the fuck do I got to be to be a real man? And I've also had my share of personal tragedy and setbacks and failures, too. I mean, life life is hard. And maybe that's something we could talk about, how to, how to cope when uh, things don't go right. On the other hand, I don't think the definition of man is so limited or rigid that it can't contain individuals that don't check off these manly man checkboxes. There are many, many ways of being a good man. You can even be a good man and have two X chromosomes. And if you don't believe me, that's something we can definitely talk about. But bragging aside, I hope I've conveyed the point that I'm not ashamed of being a man, nor do I feel threatened or at risk or marginalized by any progressive causes or drives for equality. I also want to talk about kind of economic relatability uh, because unlike a lot of online leftists I've seen, I didn't have a upper middle class or even higher upbringing. I haven't gone to elite institutions. I don't have a trust fund for my family. My dad was a farm boy on a small family farm. And when I mean small family farm, I'm not talking about those bullshit jobs where people have million dollar tractors and shit. I mean a 15 acre farm in Waverly, Indiana, constantly teetering on the edge of bankruptcy Grandpa drove a school bus and a coal truck to get by, wife and four kids working it, kind of small family farm. My dad enlisted with the Navy when he was 18, became a medical corpsman, and parlayed that into a degree and a good career as a dental lab technician. My mom was a school teacher. She taught class in uh, elementary, junior high, and high school as an English teacher. But mom retired when she had us kids, so money's always tight. Uh, I wore shit she threw together from Goodwill and Amvets before thrift shopping was cool. We didn't go out to eat a lot. Our summer vacation was visiting our family down in Mobile, Alabama, who owned a small dairy farm and running around with my cousins, climbing through hay bales and daring each other to touch electric fences. 
I got married right when I turned about 20 and uh, my wife and I had a part-time job so that we could full-time minister. Our combined household income for that first year was $17,000. I don't have a college degree because my religion forbid higher education, uh, so I didn't bother. But fortunately for me, I was always interested in computers and programming from even a very young age. And I was able to kind of just bullshit my way into entry-level positions. By the time I transitioned from programmer to podcaster, I was making low six figures, which is pretty damn good for early 2000s Midwestern life. I can relate, is what I guess I'm trying to say, to people from a pretty wide economic background. I've, I know what it's like to worry about money constantly and to worry about where your next paycheck's going to come from. And I know what it's like to feel like the government's taking a big old fucking bite out of your paycheck and, and it's, it's, it's holding you back. And we can talk about that. We can talk about uh, these, those economic realities. It's been a long road from where I started to where I'm at now. And I consider myself very, very lucky that I was able to get here because I think I was born with kind of a bad hand as far as ideologies and circumstances go. I mean, things could be worse. I've had good health. Uh, I've mostly been able to stay out of debt. My parents had their problems, but there was no severe drug or alcohol addictions. I've never experienced homelessness. But sure, I've, I've had some ups and downs, but I think my life's journey has been overall pretty rewarding. I feel like I understand the world better now. Uh that I've, I've, I've given up some of these, uh, these beliefs. Uh, the answers I've come up with fit all the facts that I've seen available, uh, all the facts on the ground. They don't require belittling or fearing or oppressing any particular race or sex or gender or any other persuasion. It doesn't require disbelief in certain segments of scientific thought. And it's not to say that, you know, again, my life is perfect or I haven't had any setbacks because life's hard. But I think we make it a lot harder than it needs to be. And that's something I hope that we can talk about as well, how we can get help, how we can deal with the stresses of modern life, how to effectively make changes in ourselves. We can share some strategies and practices that make us feel more connected, present, and engaged in life. So these are all the reasons I think that you might be interested in my perspective and why I think I have a unique perspective from um, you know, other voices that I've seen and heard online and in the media. But I also want to circle back around to things that uh, that, are that original list of things I, I hope to accomplish uh, with the podcast and kind of elaborate on it. So uh, mission or objective number one, uh, I want to make a case for myself to the bald move community out there living in exile, uh, to the bald move resistance, if you will. Now, I know you guys are out there. There's probably a fair amount of you listening to this podcast because y'all like to pull drive-bys on my inbox with some bullshit from time to time. There's always been, throughout the Bald News history, dust-ups uh, when Jim and I would reveal just through casual conversation, talking about shows, talking about movies, that maybe we're a little bit more liberal than you'd, you'd given to think, since we're cool guys that, you, that you'd grown to like and appreciate our humor or, or talking about the television or whatever. I can think back to several examples where kind of things came to little bits of heads, like... Uh, Season two in The Walking Dead, Lori's whole abortion pills arc um, pissed people off, our, our this commentary on that. Uh, some of the white savior uh, discussions we had going on with Danny in the early seasons of Game of Thrones. But boy, after uh, Trump's election, it seemed like it just happened more and more frequently. And uh, finally, on August 9th, 2018, is a really pivotal day because that's the day Jim and I published our review of Black Klansman. 
with that podcast, we essentially exiled American conservatives from our online presence. And, uh, you know, we, we'd previous to that gotten a lot of backlash against our Black Panther review, which I thought was pretty strange. But the Black Klansman review whew, really pissed people off. And I had a lot of mixed feelings because my natural inclination is to reach out and try to get an understanding with people. And I think I've got a pretty good real life track record for talking conservative people down from whatever ledges they found themselves on. Uh, because again, these, the, 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 the types of objections and the anger and the frustration I was feeling is the same frustration I felt from so many of my family and so many of my friends, so many of my neighbors. Uh, and I, it's my habit to talk to those people rather than shutting them down. But, uh, Again, I know some of you out there listen to this podcast because for whatever reason, you just just can't quit me. Can't quit Bald Move. Uh, and what you guys were doing was kind of like the free speech equivalent of waving a gun around in a crowded room. And I felt like Jim and I had to do the online moderation equivalent of bum rushing and tossing you outside. Because, first of all, rude as shit the way some of these people were acting just on principle. And again, like I've said, I'm from Indiana. I'm not from the cool cosmopolitan places in Indiana, like Indianapolis or Bloomington. And I've got family and I love them and I like to talk to politics with them to a point. But when I'm in their house, I'm not going to speak and act and behave in a way that would make them call the cops to have to come and haul me out. But a lot of these guys, a lot of you guys, we made the rules clear. We told you what would happen if you broke them. And you still showed your ass and then had the nerve to be all shocked Pikachu face when you got tossed out. And the reason, second of all, the reasons we made these rules clear in the first place is that we have, over the course of running Bald Move, tried to make a community where anyone who wasn't an asshole could feel safe and respected and valued. And you clearly liked and valued this cool community we built. And it probably stung to be excluded from it. It probably was super angry and frustrating. Uh, I can relate to that. Um, but that's where the waving the gun around at the party analogy comes in. I like guns, but if I'm at a party and some guy's just randomly waving a gun around, I'm getting the fuck out. Even if he's loudly proclaiming, this gun ain't even loaded. I mean, I get it. Uh, back in the day, I was a member of a lot of quote unquote cool communities and my mouth uh, got me thrown out of one or two of them, and it sucked. Why? Because it turns out there's not a lot of cool communities with cool people that want to keep, uh, for example, gay people from getting married or just want to talk shit about women all day. They just don't exist. That type of community is kind of antithetical to like cool and, and chill. If you get sucked into these communities, you're going to be just interacting with angry, outraged people all day. And you can certainly find plenty of liberal and leftist spaces online where you'll contend with angry and outraged people all day, too. But that's not my scene in either direction. But I think that's where my background comes into your benefit. I think it's perfectly possible to say things that others consider racist without having being uh, racist yourself or sexist or whatever. Like I said, I think back now that I had a lot of sexist and racist thoughts, but I never felt hatred towards those people. But minorities and women, what have you, uh, they're not going to take the chance and split those fine hairs between the truly hateful people. And those people certainly exist. 
And the ones who are perhaps just unaware or uninformed or they haven't been exposed to different points of view or get um, uh, viewpoints of issues outside of their own perspective. And human nature being what it is, when you're confronted by these people challenging on your beliefs, it's going to make you act like a defensive asshole because these are your sincerely held beliefs. And how dare they accuse you of being one way or another? And how do they know what's in your heart? And But if you consider it from the perspective of a person you're having this kind of angry back and forth with, I mean, imagine like how soul crushing it is to argue for the dignity of your own existence with somebody who's just going to be arguing the opposite, especially if they don't know your life and what you've been through. So as a result, when you start saying things that's even slightly racist or sexist, they're just going to hit the door. You know, this classic, I'm not racist, but I'm not sexist, but that's that's the equivalent right there of saying the gun's not even loaded. Right. And frankly, I want to keep the cool community that we had around. And if that's the cost of a few people wanting to wave guns around and making people feel unsafe, then so be it. But like I said, I do feel bad about it because I've got this good track record for dealing uh, with people with with sincere conservatives in good faith. Not only that, but I'm eternally grateful for a few long-suffering friends that would take me aside over the years and kind of reason with me in private so I didn't have to have this loud, kind of angry public conversation with people. Uh, And I would have loved to have those conversations with you guys right then and there in our forums and on email, but this is where I'm kind of in a bind because honestly, I don't have the time to respond to singular individuals asking me the same five questions and demanding to know where I come off uh, the same ways and want me to watch the same two or three YouTube videos are going to blow my fucking mind. And even if I did, it doesn't make sense to do so. I mean, with this microphone, I can reach 100,000 people. If I'm going to take the time to help somebody, I want to do it in a place where it can be definitive, it can be public, it can be a matter of public record, it'd be something I can like point to people in the future so I don't have to have it over and over and over again. And it can be like... A progressive conversation. It doesn't have to be like I'm on step one with these guys and I'm step two with this guy and I'm on step three with this guy. Everybody can kind of like listen to these podcasts in order and build this kind of progressive knowledge base with me. So that's one of the things this podcast aims to do. Uh, Mission two, very similar vein, is I want this uh, three right turns to act as a resource for any and all identity politics questions that people might have about race, sex, and class without judgment and and good faith. Um, And I think this is important because I, I know a lot of people bemoan identity politics and how you can't get anything done in society because it all gets bogged down. But I think that's that's not a a bug. It's a feature Uh, to solve a lot of the problems we have in society. It's going to take all of us coming together and we can't all come together if we're constantly telling some people, well, your needs are, are not important right now and you need to wait. I advocate for getting all of this shit solved and get everybody on the same page and then we can go forward truly united without divisions. But you got to get on the same page to begin with. And again, if you're if you're like me, you weren't lucky enough to be born with the quote unquote correct beliefs. And the problem there is if you attempt to ask questions, even in good faith, with communities that seem like they have the answers. Uh, like if you uh, are not familiar with feminism at all, you think it's bad and you go to like a feminist forum and start just asking questions, you get met with an incredible amount of judgment and hostility. You often hear the phrase, it's not my job to educate you, which, hey, that's true. It's not their job. 
but where the fuck else are you going to go to get educated? But it is true. Everything that they say are contained in books, there's education videos, uh, and popular media, but it's an enormous amount of work to get your hands on all that. And the process of like constantly going against people that are angry and judging you and make you feel bad for asking questions, uh, it doesn't feel great a lot. Like I said, it's a lot of work. It's it's not super rewarding work, and it's slow going. And and one of the reasons it's really hard uh, to deal with is because, in my view, an accurate understanding of the world and our kind of shared history, I came to realize is understanding that people that look like me have made the world a really miserable place for people that don't. That we're a lot more like the aliens in Independence Day than we are the plucky humans. Uh, we're a lot more like the the aliens in suits than we are the Jeff Goldblums. And I don't think that means that like we, and when I say we, I'm talking about white men. I don't think that we're bad. I don't think that like any other race or sex is inherently good. It's just kind of like a, a random freak of history and, and occurrence that we're slightly ahead of some tech trees and some political trees and got a few benefits of the doubt on natural disasters and disease. And if any other random group of uh, the uh, of humans in the world had managed to rise up and conquer and make this huge global spanning empire, we'd be hating them. And, and maybe we'd be the oppressed class. But I don't think that's an accurate way to view the world as it is. So that can be a real bummer. But it's important to remember that this is just information. It can lead you down the cycles of like shame and depression uh, it can make you frustrated with those around you that don't like to quote unquote get political, but that's not what it has to be. Our history is just a story of what is. It's not a, a story of what is going to be. And for that reason, this uh, accurate information can also fill you with hope to see how amazingly open people are to reconciliation once they're offered a chance at experiencing justice and equality. And it can also fill you with the resolve to do better to be more open-minded, to be more tolerant, to help build a better tomorrow. Now, I will say, because I've been t mostly talking to, I think, uh, conservative, libertarian, centrist-type people, because of these first two missions, these first two objectives, I can't describe this particular podcast as a safe place for women and other minorities. Uh, a lot of the questions, even asked in good faith and innocently, are going to be hurtful. Uh, they're going to be frustrating. They're probably going to make you angry to even have people asking them. Uh, and I've noticed when I was engaging with some of these aforementioned types in our forums and in other like on social media and public places that people got like really upset even at me when I would attempt to like simplify or dumb down an argument to reach someone across a, a philosophical or political divide. And because they see me like simplifying an incredibly complicated topic or because I'm conceding a point that they feel I shouldn't concede or whatever. And I know that that can be frustrating. And if it is, I apologize. And I hope you appreciate what I'm trying to do. But, you know, if you're teaching physics or you're learning about physics, uh, the fact of the matter is Newtonian physics is just wrong. But it's also useful in a lot of everyday scenarios. And it's a useful building block before you tackle like relativity or string theory or things that are like actually more accurately describe the universe at a granular level. But that's what you got to do with a lot of these more advanced social justice topics. You got to get to the 101 stuff before you get to the higher level stuff. And a lot of times getting across that that basic information, getting that to click with people involves simplifying stuff and 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 reducing things and conceding things that might seem 
uh, you know, offensive or, or, or hurtful. And I just want to like, you know, warn people about that. But I'm also always open to uh, uh, advice uh, or viewpoints of how I can make a point more concise or better. And if uh, you ever hear where you think I can do better, please send that in to 3RT at swizzbold.com. All right. A third mission or objective, I think, that this podcast uh, can do. And this builds off the first two. I think this podcast can can provide like teachable moments for liberals or other leftists that might want to engage uh, productively on political topics with their friends and loved ones. I've noticed a lot of liberals uh, and leftists who were born in areas of the country uh, or world that are more kind of progressive just in general are really bad, tragically bad at defending their core beliefs. Why, if, if someone asks them why, or they, they they're, uh, try to pin them down on why they believe these things, they're often bad at it. And it's because they didn't arrive at these beliefs with any kind of careful thought or from a place of empathy. These beliefs were handed to them by their parents, by their school curriculum, uh, by the civic ideals of the communities they live in. Uh, by the fact that they just are around different spe- people. So it's not as scary as it is from a person who might have been born in a society that's 99.9% white. And going back to what we discussed just, just a minute ago, it's it's asking a lot in terms of like emotional labor to have a minority uh, try to empathize with someone that's attacking their very identity or their community uh, or to try to argue against the truth of their own existence. But I see a lot of, you know, well-off, well-educated white people uh, who don't even try to do that. Like, it's it shouldn't be a, a emotional labor to sit down with another, like, if you're a white guy, to sit down with another white guy and be like, okay, look, dude, let's talk this out. The, out. I'm not saying it will always go successfully or won't be angry, but it's not any skin off your nose, right? But instead, I see a lot of people kind of like just punching down on poor un- undereducated white people, Southerners, Midwesterners, just a lot of unflattering portrayals and a lot of like discussing these people like they're fucking morons that I don't agree with. Um, these people didn't choose their values or beliefs. They were handed down to them just like yours. And they're not, they're no more into critically examining them and really think about foundational philosophical uh, building blocks that, that the, than you are about your beliefs. I've also found in a lot of my progressive circles that uh, most can't do any this kind of like defense or apology for their beliefs without getting defensive and angry and shouty. I think this is like how guys like uh, like Ben Shapiro or, or David Crowder can make millions on YouTube uh, destroying college liberals. It's it's how Prager you can make a slick 15 minute propaganda piece and tell shocking lies uh, and get away with it. And we we can't stick our heads in the sand on this. The truth is, with the rise of conservative media, with social media abdicating any responsibility to truth, it's got to be up to us to push back on this and to educate people. We don't have billionaires funneling hundreds of millions of dark money into our channels, into our communities. All we have is ourselves. And don't take this into me buying into the fragile left narrative either. People on the right are just as capable of crying wet, hot, salty tears of rage when confronted with unfair, uh, incivil tactics as anybody on the left. And if you don't believe me, okay, boomer. So I think that's another thing we can do here on Three Right Turns. Learn how to champion progressive and leftist policies. If not to right-wingers, then at least to centrists and independents, people that are fair-minded. Uh, maybe we can win some of our family and friends over to some kind of peace. Like they might not fully agree with us, but maybe we can like get through a Thanksgiving without screaming. 
and it's it's really incredibly rewarding like um it doesn't happen very often but i've been working with like my sister and my dad for for several years and uh every once in a while you know like the light will click or i'll hear them say something that i have been arguing with them forever in mixed company or they'll take they'll defend the viewpoint they used to fight me on and it feels really good which brings me to mission four objective four I would like to provide a gateway to more progressive content and policy discussion. There is a well-documented pipeline on the right side of the political spectrum, uh, on YouTube, on Twitter, and uh, places like the the different chans, um, different message boards on the internet, uh, different communities designed to catch moderates and centrists and slowly nudge them to the right by uncritically introducing their audience members to... Uh, guests and and points of view with slightly more extreme views. Some portion of the audience gets intrigued by hearing these ideas and is moved to investigate. Uh, These more extreme people now have a larger audience where they can bring on people more extreme than themselves to uncritically air their views and entice more audiences to check them out, wash, rinse, repeat. And traditional media is very complicit on this. The fact is that these controversial figures are gathering larger audiences and people are talking about them. Well, fuck, that's newsworthy. So let's get a reporter out there to do a piece on these clean-cut, good-looking, well-lit reactionaries so they can uncritically air their views because, hey, people should know. They can hear about both sides of an issue. And people should know. But it's irresponsible to platform people with bad ideas unless you know how to expose them for what they are to a reasonable audience. It's, it's a bad idea to expose people to flat-earth theory if you don't have a scientist on there that can dismantle that, that point of view at the same time. So yeah, do both sides, but like far too often that doesn't happen. And to be fair, uh, there are certainly channels and, and these kind of gateways and communities that are starting to build on the left. Uh, and some of them have the same kind of problems with uncritically airing people more to the left of them. Uh, but it's still pretty bare bones. Like if we're just talking YouTube, there's channels that'll get you from like center left or center right to full on white supremacist one inch at a time in a slow, predictable manner. But on the left, you have a pretty massive presence for centrist Democrats, especially since the last election. Big podcast communities, big YouTube communities, big traditional outlets. Um, Then you have kind of a, a small but growing number of socialists and communists. But Suffice it to say, you fall off a pretty fucking high ideological cliff going from Barack Obama to Bernie Sanders to Karl Marx to Joseph Stalin, right? That's not a smooth descent. That's a wild, bumpy ride. And I don't recommend the descent all the way either. So if I'm if I'm being honest right now, and, and I plan to be be that throughout this podcast, I'm probably right around Bernie Sanders politically and ideologically right now. But I'm not convinced that the solution to the many, many problems of capitalism is, quote unquote, full blown socialism. I think we should raise taxes to provide for health coverage for people. I think we should strengthen our social safety nets. I think we should prepare for like a third of our workforce to be replaced by automation. I think we should provide housing for the homeless. It's hard for me to imagine a tax that would actually pass in America today that I'd be against or like an industry regulation Uh, that I would be against because we're, by my estimation, so far to the right in America that it's going to take a generation to fix it. I think we've been sliding right for damn near 40 years now, uh, an almost unchecked uh, uh, slide to the right, especially economically, especially economically. Made some progress with those, those, those pesky identity politics issues, but economically, it's been just a march rightward. But I'm also not for any sort of like violent 
socialist revolution. Like I see a lot of like these younger, uh, a lot of like well-educated, a lot of uh, white, a lot of dude type people are um, are agitating and advocating for. Uh, but I also, I like to watch and I'm really interested in when I like, see like center left progressives engage in debate with actual leftists online, but that doesn't happen very often when it does, it generates a ton of heat, but not a lot of light. I've been following this stuff for like a year on like Twitch and YouTube. And I honestly still can't figure it out because very few liberals engage with like a Marxist critique of capitalism, uh, in any kind of good faith way, let alone, uh, like, like talk about like, what would, how would we introduce elements of socialism into our society? What would it look like to have a socialist society? The few liberals and leftists that I've seen engaged with each other tend to be the kind of, uh, you know, bare knuckle brawlers with like very testy pugilistic communities, or they can't give up, uh, being edgy and offensive and kind of weird. So they're prone to provoking infighting amongst their supposed allies. They get caught up in like all this messy online drama that again, makes their point of view very, very easy to dismiss. And it's kind of a mess. Now, maybe I'm fooling myself. Maybe there isn't a way to do better, but fuck I'm curious about this stuff and I'm not interested in screaming and yelling. So I guess we're just going to see how it goes. And again, um, the other thing is there's not a lot of people on the left that kind of look like me uh, and have my experiences. So maybe that can be a little thing that can, that, that can temper these conversations. Maybe, maybe I can be like a translator between the more uh, leftist people and the traditional kind of progressive uh, liberals. I don't know. I don't know. Might be a pipe dream, but it's something I want to try. I think there's a lot of people where I'm at. Uh, maybe you're a Gen Xer like me. Maybe you vote Democrat and you don't buy into like the both sides are the same and pox on bo- both the houses uh, type of arguments. But it does seem like even when, quote unquote, our side has power, when the Democrats are running things, the divide between the haves and the haves nots uh, keeps on growing. Income inequality keeps getting worse. And if the Democrats had solid answers to all these problems, you would think that things on that uh, side of the thing would, would start to improve. Well, why is that? Why are these, uh, why, why aren't we getting traction? Why are we seeing failure after failure to try to solve income equality? That's something we can definitely talk about. Another mission mission. I think we're up to five now, uh, objective five. Uh, like I like I mentioned in my bragging session, I want to demonstrate that you can have a traditionally masculine presentation and be pro-feminist, pro-minority, pro-sexual freedom. Again, when you look to the left, you don't see a lot of guys look like me. I mean, superficially, there are a lot of them are white, a lot of them are straight, um, but they don't look like they've been to many demolition derbies. They don't look like they've been to many monster truck rallies, no NASCAR races. Probably a lot of them haven't held a gun in their hand, much less shot one, much less hunted. They don't eat meat. They seem really fucking smug about it. Uh, They like to take pot shots of what I see as harmless or even laudable parts of my own life and lifestyle. And I know this is all like really fucking shallow, silly reasons to kind of hear a person out. But shit, one thing I've learned in, you know, being a, a leftist liberal, one thing that thing has taught me is that representation is important. If you're looking out at a scene, you don't see people who look like you, hear people talking like you, you don't share any common interests or passions, you're far less likely to be willing to engage in that scene. So here I am. I have swam in the lakes and the rivers and streams of the left. My pelt glistens with their waters. And yet I am not trans. I'm not gay. I still eat meat, although admittedly, not as much as I used to. I still own guns. 
still love fucking women, not wallowing in any kind of guilt and shame, still successful, still drink bourbon and beer. I still think monster truck rallies are really fucking cool. So I want to kind of be that uh, that that challenge. Like anyone that wants to say, like, ah, the left, they're all this or they're all that. I'm not like that. And I think there's a ton of us in the Midwest. I think there's a ton of us in the South that there's a ton of us in like rural California that 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 feel this way that we're like you know being lumped into this other category or that you know if we go too far left we're going to get sucked into these crazy things and lose our own identity and i'm here to say that that's that's not true if anything i say or talk about makes you feel gay or bi or trans i hate to tell you you're probably that way the whole time and you're just kind of discovering it about yourself um so that's that's something else that that I want to do just just by being out there with my face and uh, my voice. Uh, another thing, another objective, um, uh, a mission, if you will, for this podcast is to encourage political uh, activism. I want to get people engaged. Uh, you know, not even half of the people vote on national elections in this country. And that's a damn shame. Uh, great example. Did you know we had an election this week in America? I know a lot of people probably didn't because it's all state or local stuff. That shit that kind of gets lost in the narrative churn. Uh, unless you're like really looking at your local news or local newspapers, it just kind of spaces. But that's where a lot of the fucking war is being fought. There was in my ballot, there were so many like tax levies for education and mental health services. And if people are like me, don't show up. Those things get fucking denied and things get worse. Uh, so I want to get people like I, I, I want to get people registered to vote. I want to get people uh, know how they can find information about their local candidates and about their state level candidates so they can make informed choices and, and, and get engaged that way. And, and not just in voting, like what are other ways like canvassing, phone banking, volunteering, donating, uh, talking to friends and family, uh, doing podcasts, videos? What are ways that we can uh, get motivated and, and keep engaged and, and get out there and do the hard work it's going to take to turn the our country and our communities and the world itself into a direction that we want to see it turn in. Finally, the, the one of the real big reasons I'm doing this podcast is because I want to figure out my own political framework. Uh, and I guess I need to talk a little bit about where I stand right now. I talked about being kind of close to Bernie Sanders. Uh, but I buy in to almost all the critiques of capitalism. At the very least, I think it needs to be heavily, heavily regulated, a hell of a lot more regulated than it is now. Our markets and our banks and our companies and our corporations. There's entirely too many of these companies that have been allowed to become just too fucking big. Disney has a working monopoly on our popular culture. I mean... I was kind of like growing up at the time where Microsoft got hit by an antitrust regulation when they bundled an operating system with a web browser. I mean, look at Google. Look at what Facebook's doing. Look at what Amazon's doing. How many sectors they're getting into and no one's even blinking an eye. Look at all the bank consolidation that's happened. Look how much financial uh, damage that did in 2008. And think about... What little regulation was put in place to prevent that and how much of that stuff has been undone in the last few years? It's terrifying. And while I think markets are incredibly powerful um, and they can make a lot of money uh, and they can efficiently allocate a lot of resources, there's a few instances where they just fail completely. And I'm really tired of people pretending like it's not the case. Healthcare, utilities, infrastructure, mass transportation, 
education. These are just a few really easy examples to name where when these things get privatized, it's just a license to create misery and poverty and to take money from people that need it, poor people, middle class people, and funnel it up into the people that don't. And for what? What are we getting for it? But I also have a lot of problems with socialism, which uh, I'm going to detail in future podcasts. So one thing you might notice in all these talks of missions and objectives is like talking about current events and day-to-day politics. And I just, I don't have a lot of interest talking about things like the day-to-day of like Trump's impeachment, uh, polling, sex scandals, individual races, things like that. Uh, I'll see how well I do avoiding these topics. Uh, I just am a lot more interested in diving into the details of frameworks, philosophy, uh, in, uh, like specific policies, potential reforms. I think if we get those things right, the other stuff kind of follows. Um, but if we don't have that stuff wrong, then we're just 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 arguing. And at the end of the day, the people when, when we're having these discussions, I don't necessarily know that I will be able to convince you that I'm right, but I want to get to where we're at a place where if we're disagreeing, it's a, we're disagreeing on a matter of principle. Um, because that's like the, the best you can do. Like a lot of times people are arguing facts and like all this stuff, but like, you know, what the, the real problem is that they just have very different beliefs. And I kind of want to expose and get to the real roots of these conversations. So that's three right turns. I'm going to be back in two weeks with my first real podcast, since this is just an introduction and we, we went really meta, but I thought it's some stuff that I had to delay for a groundwork. And I have in mind a few topics uh, for the first few podcasts myself, um, but I'd be super interested in hearing what you think would be good topics. And of course, if you want to take me up on asking any of those burning questions you might have on race, class, sex, etc., or challenge me on anything I've said in the past several years of podcasts that you're unsure about, uh, basically anything that we talked about in those first few objectives, please send that in to 3RT. Again, that's number 3RT at swizzbold.com. In the meantime, next week, my co-host Cecily and I will be talking about life and giving advice on our show, One Weird Trick. I'm really excited about doing that with Cecily. Uh, please check out that podcast while I'm working on the next three right turns. I appreciate you listening and uh, giving me your ear, and I hope you have a great week. Great week.